Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Tonight, I want to talk just a little bit about effective prayer and ineffective prayer. And if you need, an, uh, if you need uh, notes, just kind of raise your hand if you'd like to have some notes. You could take it as a Bible study. You could it, really enlarge it on your own, maybe in your home or whatever. Have a few people over your house and just sit down and just talk about some of these points. Real quick, we're going to go through them, but then we're going to get into effective prayer tonight. I remember when I first got saved and, and began to see a lot of things happen, a lot of things work you know, in my life that were just such a tremendous blessing to me. Um, but then I saw a lot of people that were really struggling and not receiving from God, not knowing how to receive from God and that sort of thing. And you know, it makes you kind of wonder, God's not a respecter of persons. Do you think that he is? You don't respect your persons at all. I believe the same principles apply. You know, one plus one is two for no matter who you are. Two plus two is four no matter who you are. Mathematical equations work, right? doesn't matter who you are. It's the form. It's the principle. Well, the principles of God's word works for every single one of us no matter who we are. God doesn't look at the person and say, well, your bill is going to work for you, and you're not, and it's not going to work for you. I believe that it works for everybody. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Period doesn't matter who you are. Just call upon him. All right. So what makes prayer ineffective? First, harboring sin will make prayer ineffective. Look at Psalm 66 and verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And that's pretty clear, wouldn't you say? And see, sometimes I think well, we, we don't want to hear that. Can't be anything that I've done wrong. Well, how many of you know God's perfect and we're not? He's incapable of failure, but we are, right? He's infallible, but we're not, right? He, can, we, he can't fail, but we can. So we need to check our hearts in some ways for whatever it is that might be there that we're harboring. If you're not, fine, perfect, no problem. Next one, wrong motives. Remember James 4 and verse 3? What it says, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. So here he's talking about someone who's asking God for certain things, but he knows the motive behind it is not a right motive, and so therefore the person doesn't receive. When I was at school at Ramah, some people were saying that if we really had enough faith, we would just ask God for everything that we need, it would be supplied, and we would never have to work another day in our lives. How many know that's not true? Because the Bible also says if you don't work, you shouldn't what? You shouldn't eat. So in other words, their motive was wrong. I just want to have this, this great faith so I can believe God for millions of dollars and never have to work ever again in my life. Uh, number three, unforgiveness. Also, it's something that will hinder our prayer life and make prayer ineffective. Look at Mark 11, 24 and 20, uh, 25 and 26, rather. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against me, that your father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. So obviously, unforgiveness is something that will make prayer ineffective. And so we want to be certain that we're not harboring any unforgiveness in our hearts as well. And then the next one is something that we all really need to be concerned about, and that's what? Worry. 
worry. Remember Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 and 7, or 6, yeah, 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So in other words, what he's saying is don't worry about it. Turn it over to God in prayer. And then think on things that are good and lovely and honest and true. And therefore, your, your, your mind, your mindset will be in such a way so that you're not given into being wavering and doubtful and unbelieving. So if we worry about something, then, of course, it interferes with uh, the work of God and the power of God in our, our lives. Look at the next one, unbelief. Matthew 21, 22. And in all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. So if we're not believing, are we going to receive it? No. Doubting it, wavering in our, our faith, is a hindrance. And it will cause us to be ineffective. And then finally, and this is not a complete list, you know, husbands that dishonor their wives. Now notice this one, 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Why? That your prayers be not hindered. These are just a few things that can interfere with a person's prayer life and its effectiveness. And so if we're ineffective because of these reasons, then we need to what? do what? Research our hearts and make some adjustments and make some corrections, not develop a brand new theology that says, God's sovereign, and he just didn't want to do it. I, I don't buy that. Once again, I do believe that God wants to do a whole lot more than people want him to do. But the problem can be that, once again, we're not doing our part in order to achieve the things that he has provided for us. Okay, so is it okay to be honest before God, transparent before God, and say, search my heart and try my reins? That's what David said. Search my heart. Try my reins. And if you find something that's in there that I need to correct, we should be humble enough to do what? Correct it and say, you know what? You're right. You're right. Okay, that's just a, a few of it. But what makes it effective? Look at James chapter 5 and verse 16 in the Amplified Bible. Confess your, to one another, your, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. That, that verse is absolutely loaded. If you just went through that part or that particular translation in the Amplified Bible, you can unpack a lot of things that's there. Confess your faults. Humble yourself. Just, just tell it like it is. Be transparent before God, okay? And before one another as well. But notice this. It's the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. It's heartfelt from the heart, but you're righteous. So we'll start with just the righteous. A person that is righteous, in other words, can, can generate miracle working power that's dynamic and it's working. But the thing is this. How do I become righteous? By doing good deeds? By doing good works? Absolutely not. It has nothing to do with my works or my own abilities it all has it has everything to do with what jesus did he makes us righteous we don't make ourselves righteous that's an impossibility look in the book of romans you can see this clearly stated it's not our sinless perfection it's his sinless perfection but people are counted as righteous not because of their work but because of their faith in god who forgives sinners can you say amen to that 
David also spoke this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Oh, joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Mm, what a good place to shout, wouldn't you say? So we're declared righteous not because of who we are, not because of our works or what we've done. We're declared righteous because of who he is and what he has done. And so we can effectively pray because we know that we are righteous in Christ. And if we do miss the mark along the way, what do we do? Confess our sin and be cleansed of it, right? Wonderful. What provision he has made for us. Look at the next one. It's heartfelt from the same verse of scripture there. The heartfelt. In other words, it comes from within. It's not something that we flippantly want. We just, you know, we want something. We want this. We want that. We ask. No, it comes from the depth of the soul of a person crying out to God. David knew how to do that. And he made some corrections in his life. And when he finally got it right, he cried out to God. And what happened? God restored to him the joy of his salvation. Look at the next one. What is based on God's word. Second Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 17 now then, O Lord God of Israel, let thy word be verified, which thou hast spoken unto thy servant David. It is God verifying his word that he speaks. And so when we pray, we pray according to the word of God. We pray out the word of God, knowing that God will watch over his word to make it good in our lives. If we're just praying out what we want to have happen, we're not going to be that effective. But if we said, this is what you said, this is your promise, and I want you to verify your word and make it known, make it to be you know, good, then you're praying the right way. Look at the uh, other one in Exodus chapter 32, which I happen to believe a couple of the most powerful verses of Scripture that there are. Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did he bring them out, and to slay them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth, turn from thy fierce wrath... And repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Isaac and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and said to them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Whoa. What did the Lord do? I didn't hear that. <laughs> he repented of the evil. Why? Because he gave a promise. He spoke out a promise. He made a declaration. And Moses called him on it. He said, look, you did this. You spoke this out. You've got to make this good. You've got to verify your word. And if you do what you're planning on doing right here and right now, they're going to laugh at you. Basically say that you lied. And the Lord repented. Changed his mind and said, no, I'm going to honor my word. And then look at James chapter 1 again, chapter 1, uh, faith makes prayer work. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. And so we see it's important that we ask in faith. And how do we ask in faith? By knowing what God said. When you know what God said, you know his promise, then you declare it back to him. And then you stand, praise God, firm on the promise of God and refusing to waver. 
And finally, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, and once again, it's not an exhaustive list of the things that help make prayer effective or ineffective. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself or itself himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. For he that searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit. And the next verse says, and what does he do? Helps us pray out the perfect will of God. The perfect will of God. And so thank God that we can pray out the perfect will of God in the Spirit with groanings that cannot be uttered or articulated because the Holy Spirit is moving upon our hearts and minds and he's bypassing our intelligence, the things that we know, the things that we do not know, and he's praying through us to, to see to it that the Father's perfect will is carried out. And you know what? I believe the enemy has absolutely abused the church and, and caused the church to shy away from those, the most effective way we could possibly pray. How many of you know what's going on in Ukraine? Russia. Full detail. Line upon line, precept upon precept. You could tell me everything that needs to be prayed for, exactly what needs to be done. Does anyone here say they can? then how do we know we're being effective in praying for them? Now, I could pray that they have food. I can pray they have clothing, blankets that they need, and water that they need, and protection that they need, and all that. But there's some things happening behind the scene that you and I don't even know about, and you know what? I don't really believe we're being told everything on TV. Do you? We have no idea what's really going on. And so very often, we don't know exactly what to pray for as we ought. But, the Holy Ghost does. And that's why he gave us other tongues to pray effectively out the perfect will of God in every given situation. Amen? So let's continue now. Can we do that? Let's minister to the Lord first, and then we are going to pray as God wants us to pray in these situations for our government. And here are the verses. Let's throw them up there before we do, before we begin. First Timothy 2. Now remember, God watches over his word. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet, peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, and many would be saved. For this is good, acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So what is he telling us to do? Pray for governments. Pray for people in high places of authority. Pray for prime ministers and pray for presidents. And the list goes on and on and on. Pray for them is our duty, our responsibility. Would God tell us to do something that he's not going to honor or that he's not going to fulfill? Absolutely not. It's our part to do what? To pray for these individuals, pray for these governments and so on, and let God do what he needs to do. Praise God to make corrections, adjustments, or whatever is needed. And then the final one is that Romans 8, 26 and 27 um, that we just quoted there. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered, and he that searches the heart knows with the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Hallelujah. So whether it's our government, whether it's Ukraine government, whether it's Russian government, or whether it's even let's say Israel's government and the list goes on and on and on if we will pray out the perfect will of God by the Spirit then God can do a whole lot more than what he can do with our intelligence can you say amen